welcome to the Tales of Osteopathy Students with me, Chelsea, and my good friend, V, who's got a smooth dancing moves back. Chelsea's just got me way too excited because we're pre this is a pre-recording, but by the time that this episode comes out, we will mm -hmm. have been to the pub. And I'm so excited. I've <sighs> just been talking like a couple of alcoholics about <laughs> all the drinks that we want to drink when we go back. <laughs> All the pubs that we've uh, missed that we're going to be going to. Yeah, I can't wait for another human to make me a drink. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And to get yeah. mad about the fact of how they made it as well. Yeah, and like how you expensive know? it is in London. Yeah. Mm. Can't wait for that feeling. Just can't yeah. wait for it. I bet that drink is going to be the best drink I've ever tasted. Oh, it's going to be delicious. It's going to be so mm. good. I'm kind of yeah. secretly excited to start elbowing people out the way to get to the front of the queue <laughs> for the pub, bar. Uh, and also, yeah. you can't get extra, extra cold Guinness on tap, obviously. I don't have a pub mm. set up in my home. And yes. Guinness from the can is not the same. So I'm ready for that extra mm. cold Guinness on tap. Thank you. Sophie, you got yeah. some pathologies for us today? Yeah, you've come to this podcast to listen to not us chatting about pubs. But today we're going to be, well, I'm going to be chatting about pathologies, a.k.a. diseases. Yeah. And this time round, it's respiratory pathologies. And we've got your pretty common diseases that I'm going to be talking about today. But running through the pathophysiology, so the pathway of the disease and how it manifests and triggers and all of these sorts of things. And it's super important, I feel like, even though we know a lot about cystic fibrosis and asthma, because lots of people we know have these conditions, it's really important to know as much as possible so we can support these people. What one shall I start with? Do, 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 do. Uh, cystic fibrosis, I don't know enough about it. Okay, so cystic fibrosis, what is it? It's a genetic disorder that causes the exocrine glands to work incorrectly. So this leads to some major complications that can affect the respiratory, both upper and lower systems and the digestive system, so your pancreas, your liver, your intestines, your integumentary, is that how you say it? Your skin, aka. Integumentary. That's the one, that's the one. <laughs> <laughs> and it affects your reproductive systems, which I didn't know. Oh, I did so not know that. A shit storm of bad stuff, which I will tell you about. Mm. So, I said it affects your exocrine glands. You might think, what the heck is an exocrine glands? So these special glands um, produce and transfer secretions. Ooh, your favorites, like mm. mucus, tears, sweat, digestive uh. enzymes. Oh, Sing it yeah. to me, Vic. They're crowd <laughs> favorites. <laughs> and all of these secretions are produced and transferred via ducts into the intended area of the body rather than directly into the bloodstream like endocrine glands. Mm. Jazzy. 
So in cystic fibrosis, the gene that makes up these exocrine glands is mutated and this prevents the exocrine glands from working properly. And this mutated gene is called the CFTR gene, which stands for cystic fibrosis transmembrane regulator, quite a mouthful. And it's a protein that controls the channels of sodium and chloride, which regulate sodium and water transport in and out of the cell. Very important stuff. Mm. Um, So due to this gene mutation, channels within the membrane of exocrine cells producing the sweat, mucus, tears, digestive enzymes don't work properly Mm. and cause a whole host of issues, which I will chat about in a minute. But some quick facts about cystic fibrosis. It's most common in Caucasian males, um, but can affect any race and any gender. Um, and not all patients with cystic fibrosis have the same severity of the condition. So it depends on lots of variables and it's all different for everyone. And the very key and important thing to remember about cystic fibrosis is that it's an autosomal recessive disorder, which means to an to have cystic fibrosis, you have to inherit it. And oh. as a child, you receive one mutated gene from both parents. And that's how you get it. Both parents have to give you one of the genes. So it's a recessive gene? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So in most cases, the parents are carriers and they might not even know that they have um, that recessive gene, um, but they don't have any symptoms of CF as well. So, okay. Let's run through how it affects your body Um, because in CF patients, mucus, the fan favourite of this disease, is normally it's meant to be thin and slippery and it does a really special and important job throughout the body. But in CF patients, um, it's really thick and sticky. Gross. Um, And this affects your lungs, pancreas, liver, skin and fertility, like I said earlier. So let's just run through how it affects the lungs. So your upper sinuses get blocked and polyps can form Mm. leading to snoring and stuffiness. Not too bad. But then over time, blockage of these airways can lead to obstructive pulmonary diseases like emphysema, which is where air Mm. trapping can cause hyperinflation. It can also lead to bleds developing and rupturing, which lead to pneumothorax and pulmonary hypertension, which can eventually lead to heart failure. And it can present, you can see symptoms of CF in things like clubbing of nails, which is a sign of lack of oxygen. And all of these um, issues can also mean that CF patients are very susceptible to lung infections and lots of lung infections because the thick and sticky mucus creates perfect conditions for bacteria to thrive and survive. And due to the regularity of these infections, um, CF patients actually are really, really common in developing antibiotic resistance or allergies to antibiotics, which means that it's even harder to treat these infections. And Mm -hmm. that causes loads of scarring on your lungs as well, which is a bad, bad situation. Mm. So moving on to the pancreas. 
So the CFTR gene mutation that we spoke about earlier also affects the pancreas, which makes your pancreatic enzymes, so protease, amylase, lipase, the big three. And these are normally secreted via the pancreatic duct to the duodenum, and it helps digest really important things like proteins, fats, and vitamins. But mm-hmm. in CF, the mucus blocks the pancreatic duct, which means that the enzymes stay in the pancreas, inflame this structure and cause fibrosis of the pancreas, which is Mm. scarring. Um, And that can also end up causing cystic fibrosis related diabetes. And if you don't receive pancreatic enzymes um, because of this, it can also lead to loads of really horrible side effects like malabsorption, weight loss, major issues with nutrition, delayed puberty Mm. and abdominal pain, greasy, odorous stool, bloating, loads of these things which affect day-to-day life. Mm. Um, So really horrible side effects. And then with the liver, um, this mucus blocks the biliary ducts, which causes bile buildup, eventually causing gallstones, which are very painful. And this is Mm. the thing that I didn't know CF affects, is it affects your fertility. So it, it affects the fertility in males and females Mm. and most people who have cf are unable to have children at all because of the thickness of the mucus yeah so in females it causes trouble in conceiving because the cervical mucus that's normally really important in um helping the sperm on its way to fertilize the egg is actually creates a really unfriendly um environment for the sperm creates a hostile environment Um, Mm. And in males, it actually can cause um, them to be sterile because there's issues with the vas deferens duct, which helps sperm go Mm. from the testicles to the urethra. And that's because the thick mucus either blocks it or the duct actually doesn't form properly in general, which is huge. That's quite a Mm. big thing that I didn't know at all. And then obviously a big thing about... um, diagnosing cystic fibrosis or a more visible physical sign is Mm -hmm. sweating um, and the skin. So this is your integumentary system, which I can't say the word. Um, (laughs) So your sweat glands produce too much salt and therefore the sweat and tears are very salty. And that makes the Mm. CF um, patient more at risk of electrolyte complications and dehydration, um, which on top of their nutrition issues is further exacerbating the problem, how it's uh, actually diagnosed. So Mm. normally CF is diagnosed early in life. Um, You can do it via the heel prick test with babies, um, with a sweat test, which they put a special chemical on your skin, normally on your forearm, Mm. and then they measure the amount of salt in the sweat. CF can also present in babies when... So baby poo, its scientific name is called meconium. And when this is abnormally sticky and smelly, more than usual, um, it can actually get stuck in the ileum of the intestines. And this is called Uh, meconium ileus. And this is a sign of mm. cystic fibrosis as well. Because of the extra mucus. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So really, like, straight from the get-go, cystic fibrosis Mm. has a huge impact on people's bodies um, and Mm. health. 
So I just wanted to talk a quick amount about treatment for CF because I think it's really mm -hmm. interesting and osteopaths can have a small um, part to play um, but there's a little bit more research going into it at the moment and I think one of our mm -hmm. tutors actually mentioned that there's an osteopath he knew um, that specialises in treatments for um, cystic fibrosis patients as well mm -hmm. which I thought was interesting. Um, so the main treatments for cystic fibrosis is to tackle the mucus, which we know is a big um, issue, nutrition, um, treatment for infection and preventing blockages in the GI system. And you can use a huge variety of medication for these. And a huge part of the everyday routine um, treatment is chest physiotherapy, which I did know. Mm. Yeah, I saw some stuff on this. It's quite mm. interesting. Yeah, mm. it's really interesting. Um, and so chest PT is done with like a postural drainage aim, along with percussion and vibration to facilitate the draining of mucus from the lung lobes, um, followed by huff coughing. And I've actually been learning about some of these techniques in the sports massage course oh, that I'm doing at the moment. Yeah. So I was like, ooh, applicable skills. Patients normally have two to four times a day chest PT, which is quite a lot, and it can vary lot. from 20 minutes to an hour, um, depending Oof. on if they're fighting a lung infection. But that's quite a lot of time out of the day, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then you can also use PEP devices, which are positive expiratory pressure devices, and these cause vibration, and then um, you can use huff cough to expel mucus so there's really important aspects in these treatments that people can help with and just have a little bit more knowledge about it um mm. especially things like hygiene super important um we all know that we've been wearing lots and lots of face masks this year um yeah. i've been really conscious about hand hygiene and avoiding <laughs> sick people that's what cystic fibrosis um, patients have to do all the time um and getting lots of aerobic exercise to keep their lungs healthy and clear um and taking extra um oral pancreatic enzymes so i just thought it was really interesting to learn a little yeah. bit more about cystic fibrosis and how it affects people's yeah. lives yeah absolutely and i think i heard a thing once as well as like two people that have cystic fibrosis can't be in a relationship together because they just end up passing their disease back and forwards to each other yeah. all the time or something and all the infections and things that you can get mm, yeah and yeah. sadly the although it has dramatically increased the life expectancy for um, people with cystic fibrosis. It is still a relatively young age um, for their life expectancy, sort of late 30s, mm. early 40s. Mm. And that's just because of how many complications um, it has and the effects on your lungs is just huge. But obviously lungs transplant mm. can be hugely um, improve those um, statistics yeah mm. crazy crazy but very important interesting tell me about asthma i'm very interested i know a bit about it my brother yeah. has asthma he's had it since he was born mm. yeah so i feel like interested. pretty much everyone has somebody who they know who has asthma so i just yeah. wanted to talk about the pathophysiology part of it because i like cool. understanding why and how things happen and how things mm. work 
Um, nice. So we know that asthma is a chronic lung disease with no cure. And the causes of it are narrowing and inflammation of the airways. So your bronchi and your bronchioles that lead to difficulty breathing. So we know from our previous AMP respiratory episodes that when we breathe in, air travels through our upper respiratory system down the trachea, bronchi, bronchioles and alveoli, which is where gas exchange mm. happens. Um, so your oxygen you breathe in crosses over the bloodstream into the bloodstream and vice versa for carbon dioxide to be exhaled. But in patients with mm. asthma, the bronchi and bronchioles are chronically inflamed. So all, all the time they're inflamed and can become so inflamed that it leads to an asthma attack. And this will cause mm. the patient to experience wheezing, chest tightness, shortness of breath and coughing. And asthma attacks occur due to a trigger of some type, which I will talk about later. But let's talk about the physiology first. So... We know that the bronchi and bronchioles are surrounded by smooth muscle that wrap around mm -hmm. the airway, which helps with dilation and constriction of the airways. But during an asthma attack, these smooth muscles constrict, which causes chest tightness and why it's difficult to breathe. And we've spoken about goblet cells before, our faves, mm -hmm. um, and their special structures in the mucosa lining throughout the respiratory system. And they secrete mucus, another very important aspect of the role of mucus. Um, yeah. And this helps to trap irritants and bacteria when we breathe and prevent the substances from entering further down into our respiratory system where it's yeah. harder for them to be cleared. But during an asthma attack, the mucosa becomes really inflamed, which is where the, the airway is narrowed, so it decreases airflow and air becomes trapped in the alveoli. And these goblet okay. cells, due to the inflammatory response, produce excessive amounts of mucus, which leads to a further decrease in airflow. So coughing, wheezing as air, tri air tries to flow through the narrow airway and around the mucus it makes a musical little whistling sound that's what that's causing mm. and during this air becomes trapped in the alveoli therefore gas exchange can't happen and there's low amounts of oxygen entering the blood and carbon dioxide is staying the blood um, which the patient will have a buildup of co2 which will cause respiratory acidosis and that's mm. why patients feel like they can't exhale because of this process so asthma attacks vary in the severity among patients. People can recognise the triggers and early signs and symptoms of a pending asthma attack and create mm. an asthma action plan using a whole spreadsheet, um, which is available yeah. on the NHS. Um, so I highly cool. suggest you do that if you do have asthma. Um, and you can also use a peak flow meter to monitor, um, which I'll speak about in a minute as well. They're well cool. <laughs> they are jazzy aren't they so cool i just used to give it a go all the time because my brother had one when we were kids so yeah. i'd just be like just want to see <laughs> <laughs> i'm gandalf the cause of asthma is still unknown as to the specifics but certain triggers can lead to an asthma attack like the environment that somebody's living in um or passing through so smoke pollen pollution perfumes yeah. dust mites pets um, cold and dry air, mold, that sort of thing, or body mm -hmm. issues like respiratory infection, hormonal shifts, 
exercise to induce asthma attacks. Or so the intake of certain substances like drugs, um, so beta adrenergic blockers that are non-selective, NSAIDs, aspirin, preservatives, stuff yeah. like that can also trigger asthma. Ah, okay. No ibuprofen for the asthmatics. No, no, no. So normally, asthma is diagnosed through pulmonary function tests and early mm-hmm. warning signs um, can also indicate asthma, like starting to become short of breath, easily fatigued with physical activity, frequent coughing, trouble sleeping at night, similar symptoms to a cold, so sneezing, scratchy throat, tired headache, um, wheezing with activity, and a reduced um, peak flow meter reading. And signs and symptoms of an asthma attack, which I think everyone should be aware of so that they can mm. look out for those, are chest tightness, wheezing. So when you oscillate, so you use the stethoscope to listen to somebody's lungs, you can hear that expiratory wheezing. Um, coughing, difficulty breathing, especially exhaling, and increased respiratory rate. So in very serious cases, it can progress to where rescue inhalers like won't work, they can't talk easily, the chest retra- retractions, um, which means that the stomach is sucked in and chest is sticking out along with collarbones with each breath. Um, and this means that the patient is not getting enough air into the lungs. You can also yeah. get cyanosis of the lips. So when you're, somebody's yeah. lips are turning blue um, and that can happen to your skin as well and sweaty. So at this point, if you're seeing those sorts of symptoms, you need medical intervention ASAP. Quick sharp. Yeah, top, top. Um, And interventions, lastly, usually include sort of monitoring your baseline vital signs to get perspective. Keeping people calm and comfortable is really important. So if you're helping somebody who you think is having an asthma attack, keeping them calm and comfortable is really important because they can't breathe and that's really scary, not to sound obvious. Um, And making sure you position them to help with the ease of breathing. And then you can also, medical staff can also administer bronchodilators, oxygen. You're assessing the peak flow meter reading, which is what um, shows how controlled a patient's asthma is and if it's getting Mm -hmm. worse. You can um, oscillate the lung sounds. So with the stethoscope, like I said earlier, you can monitor skin color for any of the previous mentioned symptoms. The patient can keep a regular, if they're more prone to asthma attacks or difficulties with asthma, making sure that they have sort of like a weekly or up-to-date peak flow baseline and monitor them. That's really helpful Mm -hmm. as well. So these are just a few of the Mm -hmm. things that you can use for interventions with asthma, which I think is super important. Mm, For sure. Um, If someone's having an asthma attack, caffeine's really good as well to help whilst you're waiting for medical yeah if you give them a cup of tea or a coffee uh it really helps whilst you're waiting for like medical staff to turn up to do all their Mm. proper stuff it's really good and also what a better way to keep calm than having a cup of tea in your hands (laughs) yeah just there's something holding about holding a cup of tea as well Mm. which is like very chill that's why the japanese um have lots of mugs and cups without handles Mm. isn't it because you're meant to like hold the warmth in your hands yeah i love that 
love it. I want to go to Japan. Me too. Let's go. Yeah. Let's. <laughs> cool. Anyways, that's some awesome. pathologies for you today that I hope is useful for day-to-day -day knowledge. If you're just interested and you want to have a better understanding of these conditions, or if you're studying or learning um, medicine or whichever, it will be very useful to have these really important um, conditions down pat. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think it's really interesting how we split it. Like this, these two conditions are very congenital, generally, mm. and um, the ones I did a couple of weeks ago are very uh, bacterial infection-y. Yeah. Which is quite, quite yeah. nice, quite satisfying. All the ways that the respiratory system can be affected. Mm. Look. Yes. Magic. Well, thank you so much, everyone. I hope you enjoyed our how many different sections on the respiratory system we've done now, but I hope you're feeling yes. fully informed and ready to roll because next we're getting into Mafev, the endocrine. Woo woo. Ooh, yeah, yeah, the endocrine is so interesting. All about so, those so hormones. Lovely. And if you have any questions or you want to um, let us know how much you love this podcast, <laughs> <laughs> you can email us at double T double O S podcast at gmail.com or you can follow um, our journey along on social medias, which is at double T double O S podcast. And we would love to hear from you. Thanks. Ooh. Yes, get in touch. Thanks so much, everyone, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs>